Future Self Podcast, episode 18. We don't concentrate on the no's, we concentrate on the yeses. I'm not afraid to hear no, like, you don't want to buy my product? Okay, like, this is the United States of fucking America. There's some people that will. You know, and I just keep on hammering ahead. I'm not great at what I do, I just have a decent work ethic and a supportive life. This is the Future Self Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Ingalls. Hello, Future Self listeners, and welcome to episode 18 of the Future Self Podcast, where every episode is intended to provide you with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And with that goal in mind, listener, I will be compiling knowledge, insight, and inspiration from some of the most accomplished minds and serving it up to you every Friday. I want to give a quick shout out at the top of the show to you, the listener. I can't tell you how much I appreciate getting those emails and Facebook messages letting me know that the show is bringing value to your life. I can't tell you how much your kind words mean to me. And if this is your first time listening and you're digging what you hear, then do me a quick favor. Hit that subscribe button. Head over to the iTunes store, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, whatever streaming service that you're using, and leave me a rating. Let me know what you think about the show or any issues you'd like to hear us tackle. Now, in today's episode, I got to sit down with an old friend for the first time in years, and it was every bit as good as I hoped it would be. So without further ado, let's break into today's show. You've got hopes, dreams, desires, and because I desperately want to see those hopes become your history and those big thoughts that you're having today, I want to see those thoughts become things. That's why each episode is packed with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you one step closer to making those dreams a reality. And if you are looking for the motivation to break out of your daily grind and start living a life that you can feel passionate about, then you have come to the right place. Today's guest is the embodiment of achieving success through sheer force of will. Years before he had amassed a devoted fan base with his unique and sustainable-minded products, he was a shaggy-haired undergrad with a dynamic blend of passion and impulse that seemed to be in a constant state of agitation just beneath the surface. It was obvious even then that once he learned to channel that fire that nothing was going to stand in his way. He left college with a degree, a mountain of debt, and very little direction. He chose to make a home in the mountains of Colorado, snowboarding by day and waiting tables by night. After butting heads with various bosses and bouncing through a laundry list of second jobs, today's guest quickly discovered that he wasn't built for a lifetime of taking orders. So with little more than that unbridled tenacity and a maxed out credit card, today's guest flung himself face first into the world of entrepreneurship founding East Coasters, a company dedicated to making unique and functional products from discarded rubber that was destined for the landfill. From the early winds to the devastating setbacks, today's guest refused to throw in the proverbial towel, always looking for new angles and never afraid to do the hard work himself. Now clearly that persistence has paid off as he has amassed tens of thousands of loyal fans from around the world that allow him to do the job he loves every single day. Today's guest is living proof that the effort you're willing to exert is far more important than the path you take to get there. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce my old friend and the founder of, founder of East Coasters, Jason Maylot. Jason, welcome to the show. Hell of an intro, Rob. How am I going to follow that up? Oh, you'll be fine. I also want to introduce Jason's daughter. You'll probably be hearing her in the background a little bit. What's her name? 
Haven Juliet Maylot. That's hey. my lovely wife, Caitlin. And Caitlin's here with us as well. Family business. All right, Jason, we just scratched the surface of the awesome stuff that you're up to. So take a moment and tell us what else is going on. So at East Coasters, we manufacture different functional products, as you said, um, from recycled wetsuit material and neoprene rubber that would otherwise be sent to an East Coast landfill. To date, we estimate that we've upcycled about somewhere between 40 and 50 tons of rubber by turning it into useful products and have kept it out of the landfill. Um, What I really mostly like about our business is the simplicity behind the business model. We cut circles and we cut rectangles out of a a raw material, right? So it doesn't take a rocket scientist, you know? So, and then the hook with our product, I would say, is that you can take any of our products and it's now now what I didn't even know the first two years we were in business is that I was in the promotional products industry which is a a beast you know <laughs> I mean, I'm a very small piece of a very large pie and what sets us apart is that well, we're a mom and pop shop and the eco aspect of our company you know? sure. so the people we're like licorice the people that like <laughs> us really like us and then the other people are like I don't see why anybody would ever buy a rubber coaster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people that are like that so why was it coasters <laughs> Um, definitely the simplicity. I had seen somebody else doing it across the American glass, marijuana, and counterculture industry. Um, and I just sort of took the idea and ran with it. I said, I I mean, I actually, I went and worked for the guy for a little while and I intended to help him build his business. I always knew I wanted to work for myself. My friend was a sales rep for his company. And when my friend was leaving, I tried to shoo myself right in there, which I did. And the guy turned out to be a little bit of a... An asshole. Okay. Um, I flew myself to Las Vegas at a trade show with him, and I sold him twelve to fifteen thousand dollars worth of material. Uh, and, you know, new accounts, new sales coming in, and I was, you know, he didn't honor the agreement. He paid me three hundred dollars when we got home, which did not cover my flight. My flight was three fifty. Um, <laughs> yet I still continued to work for him. I believed in what he was doing. I said, whatever, I can eat a little bit of shit, and you know, at the end of the day, I really. I felt fulfilled with what I was doing. Right on. You know, which is something I had never really felt before other than when I was working for that brewery. I really felt fulfilled because well, all the beer they were giving me kept me just satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, eventually what happens, we parted ways. I had to go the other way. He wasn't paying me. He didn't honor his agreement. I had... Uh, I had set up a, uh, I was putting together a sample package for PetSmart, like a large corporation nationally across the globe, I think. And you know, he called me up and went because he 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 for he was weird he was very controlling he made me like CC him on every email. I mean I was a professional I was a sales professional I was used to getting paid for my work and sure. for my ability to generate new business which is a it's a hard skill to develop. Yeah. And he you know he wasn't you got if you get a good employee you got to take care of him and I think he thought me to be a little bit lower on the totem pole than I was and you know so I just I, I decided I was gonna go my own way I said I could do this better because I had approached him he called me and said who the fuck authorized you to work in the pet industry. And, fuck authorize you to talk to me like that <laughs> you know like don't forget we're in new jersey i'll fucking slap you <laughs> um so I, I handed him a letter of resignation which he made fun of me for i was just like here you go i'm leaving i'm gonna go do my things i approached him i said here's what i could do for you i was like i'm very familiar with the craft brewing scene that's a whole other industry which happens to be that i'd say neck and neck marijuana and craft beer are right there in terms of the most exploding industries in america right sure. now and he, oh, you're stupid. I don't care. Just do what I tell you. You know, and okay. I was like, in live music, they tell you to go with what you know. And at this point in my life, what I was doing is I was traveling around, blowing all my money, going to fish concerts, 
where, I mean, if you want to talk about the American dream, go to a Grateful Dead show or a Fish show and check out what they call Shakedown Street. Entrepreneurship, the American dream is alive and well there. It's an unregulated market where unlicensed vendors are selling food, wares, uh, commodities. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's really like if you want to hustle, you can make a few bucks. I mean, I've seen some of the food people can clean up at like these music festivals and these concerts. You can make a couple thousand dollars in a day and there's nobody there. There's no health inspector. I mean, you can just show up with some bullshit and sell it. I and mean, who doesn't want to eat when they're coming out drunk after a show? Sure. Nobody's asking questions. So I had this idea in my head. I said, look, we can make these doormats. And like, I was very familiar with the band Fish and they tell you to go with what you know. So I, I decided okay, I'm going to sell custom coasters to breweries with their logo on them, and I'm going to make some printed doormats and bring them to the fish show and go sell them. So if you're familiar with the band at all, the drummer wears a dress every gig for the last 30 years, and it has these stupid little donut circles on it. It's just very basic. We took the pattern, not copyright infringement, and we put it on a mat. I made 72 of them. My now wife and I went down to Merriweather Post Pavilion in Maryland. I think it's Columbia, Maryland where the shows were fucking fire, too. Um, <laughs> never forget. And uh, we had sold probably about, in the, those first two shows, we probably sold close to half of the mats, and we decided we're going to we'll take the money, we'll go on to Portsmouth, Virginia, and there's two more shows. And by the end of Virginia, we had sold out entirely of all the mats. So uh, at this point... Kind of established the demand. Right, and while she had stood behind me and it's like okay yeah that sounds like a good idea deep down she told me later she's like i can't believe what the hell this guy's he's an idiot he's never gonna do it yeah she she thought i was absolutely out of my mind and i think everyone who uh jumps into the pool of entrepreneurship probably has that feeling from someone in their life yeah well you gotta drive it you know what I, mean? I figured i got tired of selling stuff for other people and that's the one i mean business development is the one thing that most people can't do to get it off the ground or it's not that most people can't do it i take that back most people are too afraid to try yeah i think you're absolutely right there uh that's one of the biggest things i see i do a lot of mentoring for college students and things and one of the most common things i hear is like i I don't feel like i'm the kind of person that does that like i'd like to have that i'd like to be there where the successful people are but i just don't know if i'm the kind of person that can get there and and a lot of that's fear they're just afraid of that you know, being able to put themselves out there and fail because you're going to the odds of, you know, your first gig going anywhere, but right down the toilet are, uh, you know, are are really low. They're really slim. But when we put ourselves out there and we fail, uh, it it teaches us, Hey, that wasn't so bad. Cause that's what I asked myself. Like, what's the worst (laughs) that could happen? I've been rejected a bunch. Just ask many, many girls out there. (laughs) The fear of rejection and all my sales training had led me up to that point. I had a job as a uh, window salesman, an in-home salesman. People used to get estimates. I would show up to their house and we were trained to do as like a two and a half hour presentation. And that very, I mean, I did weeks of training in the office, practicing, practicing, practicing. And that first appointment, I was shaking. I was so scared. And obviously, the customer didn't buy. They probably thought I was trying to, like, swindle them. Because right. if you come across as nervous, people... Gonna they don't it. trust yeah, you. Yeah, they don't trust you. So, you know, I guess I had a little bit of training for that. And in, in terms of setting up for failure, I didn't tell you what my first business was. <laughs> Before that, and it, I didn't even fail. I just, it wasn't worth all the work I was doing to make 200 or $300 a week. I was going around picking up people's dog shit. I didn't know that was a business. Pooper scooper. I shit you not. I got it up to the (laughs) point where I I had regular clients and I was working a couple of days a week. I was 
You just go to their house? Getting by, yeah, they hire you, they leave you a check or whatever, pay for the month, and you go once a week, twice a week, whatever. You go to the, you go in their yard, you don't say a word to them, you just go pick up their dog shit, put it in the garbage. We don't leave. talk to the poop boy. <laughs> <laughs> don't fraternize with the help, you know, because that's how people are in Beachwood, New Jersey. If you knew the town, it's, uh, it's where I grew up, so I could say that. <laughs> and it's not like that at all. We're all pretty, like, yeah, low-key. Um, but yeah, that, that was the first one, and I guess you could look, I wouldn't call it a failure. I'd call it, I was like, okay, I had no problem picking up dog shit for a living if people were going to pay me. And it was, but it was, it wasn't enough. It was a lot of driving around. It was a lot of, you know, and I, and I learned some valuable lessons. You know, I mean, what did I do to get drum up business? I, I got on Craigslist and I made a couple of ads for free, you know. Uh, I started spamming my Facebook account to the point where my friends started like ignoring me or blocking me because they didn't want to see. They don't want to hey, see your dog shit business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, but that, I got a couple of clients that way. Like, sure. Old girl from high school hired me to go over and pick up their dog shit. I was like, great, yeah, I'll take the money, I'll do it. I have no Dude, problem Dude, that's doing killer. That. And, uh, you know, that's where I got my start. And having the sales ability, though, is like really what's helped me develop the business today because, like I said earlier, we don't concentrate on the no's. We concentrate on the yeses. I'm not afraid to hear no. Like, you don't want to buy my product? Okay, like, this is the United States of fucking America. There's some people that will. Right, sure. First thing you learn in sales, you knock on enough doors. You don't even have to be good. Somebody's going to open the door. You're going to, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just keep on hammering ahead. I'm not great at what I do. I just have a decent work ethic and a supportive wife. Yeah, I think that that's what you see the most. You know, people think that, you know, they look at people who are successful in these businesses and they think they're unicorns of some kind. And instead, they're just people that chose to keep getting out of bed every day and not taking that no for, uh, you know, kind of like what is, I think, I can't remember who said it, but I've heard it. It's when they say no, hear yes and operate accordingly. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> It just just act as if, right? What yeah. was that movie? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was Ben Affleck. What a shitty actor. <laughs> uh, and and then, you know, circling back to what you said earlier, you know, kind of doing what you know, um, and, you know, you got the idea for doing the coasters from someone else. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Because one of my mentors told me, he said, you know, if you have this great idea and no one else is doing it, you might want to take a second because maybe your idea is not that great. There might be a reason no one's doing it. Um, he said, you know, one of the best ways to make it usually is with a proven idea, something that someone has proven that there's a market there for it. People are going to buy it. And, you know, you don't have to be the first one there. You just have to show up with something unique and do it, you know, maybe a little different or better. Right. You don't have to be first, the first one to do something. In fact, I, I always say like, I've always been a bit of a daredevil. I've, <clears throat> so to speak, had some balls, but I was always the first one to say, I'll go second. Yeah, you know those those words right there, right, right through my head all the time. You know, I mean, we're gonna go cliff diving, and when nobody's familiar with the area, you don't know if there's right, a goddamn guy, rock under there. If that guy didn't hit a rock. I'd love to jump off of a cliff right after you. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and I'll try to hit that spot. No, you're absolutely right. And there's a uh, there's a on episode 14, I interviewed uh, a guy named Vic, his name's Vic. He goes by Vic the Chili Man. He runs a hot dog cart here in town. Interestingly, he's an awesome dude. But, uh, and interestingly, he is the highest rated restaurant on Yelp in all of Charlotte, and he's a hot dog vendor. Mobile? Uh, he's mobile, um, but he's not just any hot dog vendor. He makes the coolest hot dogs you could ever imagine. Like, he has a, he has one dog uh, that is called the, the Fuck You Dog. It's <laughs> pho and barbecue on a hot dog. How do you get pho on a hot dog? Uh, you'll have to go to him. I will. <laughs> yeah, well, you're moving to Asheville uh, eventually, so I'll bring you down and get some uh, Chili Man hot dogs. But in in that episode, he said something that really resonated with me. He said, it's never too late to be better than everyone else. 
Um, and that, that really stuck with me. Um, and it sounds kind of like, you know, what, what you're talking about as well. Someone was already doing what you were doing and you felt like you had a unique angle on it. You could come in and do it with your own flair to it. Yeah. Like I said, he was, uh, you know, he isolated himself to that one industry. And I mean, I, obviously when you start a business, you go where you're getting paid, you're in business to make money. You need to support yourself. And if you want to grow your business, you need cash flow capital, you need a good revenue stream, right? And, uh, you know, I, I had approached him and told him I can take it to, to all these different industries. And what I was familiar with was the live music industry, who also has been very supportive of me. Like, to this day, we have uh, we have licensing from Jerry Garcia family. Nice. How'd which, you come by that? Um, so, actually, you know, we... I, I was selling a mat with the Jerry Garcia handprint. It's iconic. He's missing his middle finger on his picking hand, mm-hmm. so, you know, and that's a, it's a trademarked logo, which I wasn't aware of at the time. And I stand by that statement today. I didn't, you know, I'm not going to say I've never done <laughs> I anything. I promise like I didn't it. know. Yeah. I'm not going to say I never did anything like that, but, um, I made a Facebook ad and within a couple of days <clears throat> it had gotten, it, you know, they show you the metrics for your advertisements and everything. It had gotten in front of maybe forty, fifty thousand people or something. Damn. I mean, I only threw a couple bucks behind the ad. People just kept sharing it, and it like you know, That's strong. It, well, you got to figure like these deadheads are like, and I'm one of them. Hippie time. I mean, in fact, my wife and I flew out for the Fairly Well shows. That's where we got married in Northern California. I went to the shows Aww. as part of our. Well, I still owe her a honeymoon. That didn't count as the honeymoon. She'll tell you. <laughs> um, and so anyway, the their lawyer had contacted me via email at this time. I mean. I definitely wasn't profitable. We were still in the very much startup phase. I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I was just figuring stuff (laughs) out. And the lawyer had written me, and I was like shaking in my boots. I skimmed the email. I said, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. I mean, you're a lawyer, so you know. I I, got to cease and desist. Sure. Right? And it said, take down the advertisement, pay us the proceeds from what you've made, and actually, we really appreciate what you're doing. We like the eco aspect of your company, and we'd like to work with you and offer you licensing. And so when I reread the email, I was like, Holy shit, I mean, I'm jumping up and down at this point. Sure. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time, I and mean, the man is dead, but it's run by his very capable daughter, Trixie Garcia, who I'm yet to meet, but the, you know, I, I deal with the lawyers and the music production companies, Red Light Management, shout out, they're pretty awesome with me, um, probably because I pay them on time every quarter, they're royalties. They like that? <laughs> I'm hoping to expand through that relationship. I know they also have a relationship, I mean, they're like the big boys, they're, all, they're global, they manage and they, they do the production rights and the licensing for Ween. Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews Band. There's some big boys in there. Yeah. And I'd very much like to be a part of that because, I mean, I've proven myself to... My products are semi-desirable to that crowd. Right. You know, the hippie type people in the jam band music scene, they tend to really like my products and uh, it's great. At first, this was just a company. I, I It was just something to finance me to go continue going to these concerts and dick around and do something I enjoyed doing. And, you know, my, my grandpa always told me, he's like, you'll never work a day in your life if you like what you're doing, you know? Yeah, my stepfather told me the same thing. Um, and g- going back to, uh, you know, you, you didn't know that, that it was trademarked, um, but it still kind of feels like it's in the same realm of, you know, it's uh, it's better to ask uh, for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Because I'm sure if you'd have written them a letter and been like, can I do this? They'd have been like, we don't know, you go away. Yeah, I mean, you know, all those old cronies get together. You're, they don't, you know, you got to be a somebody to get yeah, in that. we don't know this kid. And instead, you were already there. You're already doing something. You already done something that 50,000 people were looking at and showing a lot of enthusiasm for. It was a proven. It was proven at that point. They liked it. They're on board, and now you got a relationship. Yeah, so that's strong. Hoping to nurture that one and grow, sure. grow with them. You know. So, um, you know, I heard you say earlier that you kind of always knew you wanted to work for yourself. 
Um, so did you feel like you were always kind of entrepreneurial minded from a young age or when did that start? Well, I do. I'm going to walk you through my series of first jobs and how I eventually, because sales is what shaped me to do this. Sure. You know, eventually if you become even decent at sales and you're entrepreneurial minded, I mean, that's what drives a company. And I'm not organized. What I make... Uh, what I make up for with my strength in sales, I definitely have a lot of weaknesses in terms of like organization trying to, we're just really kind of figuring this out as we go along. There was no business plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? My business plan was like, okay, like I'm going to take this, I'm going to turn it into this and I paid this much and I'm going to sell it for this. And I hope that there's more money than there was when we started. There is. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't that hard to do because there was no money when we started. <laughs> sure. We have a dollar. Yeah, so, uh, you know, before I had any sales jobs, when I was 15, I worked for Roy Rogers, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here and tell you a good story. We like tangents. Um, and they were, you know, the only game in town that was hiring 15-year-olds or however old I was when you had to work. Maybe I, was, I might even even be 14. I don't know. I think it was in high school. And they tell you right on the spot, you're hired, but the first time you call out sick, you're fired because they know that 15-year-olds are full of shit. Yeah. So at this point, I said, okay, no problem. I've been working there three months, and it was a tough job. Um I got by, but I, summer came along, and my girlfriend at the time, her father had a boat, and they invited us out to go tubing. Say no more. <laughs> I, I was supposed to go to work, and at 15, are you going to go to work, or are you going to go out on a boat? And, boat. Right, you go on the boat. I had these ridiculous leopard board shorts, and I must have kept them for 10 years. I made my Aunt Irene shout out, sew them for <laughs> me like 10 times, because the holes in the rips of them were so bad, and she was just like a gifted seamstress. And, uh, you know, they were ridiculous. I laugh at myself for wearing them now. So we're going tubing, and I'm on my tube, and on this tube, you're, you hang on to the handles, and you're laying on your stomach, and you're bouncing all around like a madman. You get flung off the tube. It's a great time. And I, I go back up to the boat, and as I'm climbing up the little ladder, I feel this awful burning, tearing sensation. And it feels like somebody's just lighting my crotch on fire, right? And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? So I climb up the boat and come to realize that every single one of my pubic hairs was entwined in the Velcro. So my newly found muff that I had just developed <laughs> was tangled in this Velcro. And I am just experiencing this pain. And I say, Mr. K, that's my girlfriend's dad. And I say, Mr. K, I said, do you got a pair of scissors on the boat? He says to me, well, what do you need scissors for? And I was like, I'd rather not say. So now that opens up a can of where's like, well, now you're not getting them unless you tell me. <laughs> so then I tell him and he shouts it out. You know, So now his wife knows, her mom knows. I'm embarrassed, which is very hard to do for me. I am just absolutely embarrassed. And... They all sit there and watch me while in one fell swoop, you know, I cut all seven of my pubic hairs off. With, <laughs> and I, and it, it blows down the bay in the wind. It's like a little tumbleweed. And I'm just like mortified. So anyway, I got fired from Roy Rogers for calling out that thing. Okay. I went on to get a job at McDonald's up the road. And, uh, you know, I was a line cook, a cashier, whatever. And also a shitty job. And I was probably, let's see, we're going back to 1997, 96, something like that. So I was probably making about five bucks an hour, you know. And... My buddy Ryan Carver comes into chemistry class. So I must have been a junior in high school. And he says to me, I made $16 an hour last night. I was like, what the fuck do you mean you made $16 an hour last night? You're 16 years old. You know, he's like, oh, he's like, I got a telemarketing job selling septic tank cleaning product. And I was like, I don't want to be a telemarketer. That's bullshit. I was like, I don't even believe you. So sure enough, he gets me in. And I, I, I started as like a different position. I forget what I was. I, we just call people and ask them if we could send them a brochure. And I tell the guy, I said, look, I want to be a salesman. And he's like, I don't know if you got it. And I was like, I'll tell you, I got it. in. And I think looking back now, he was probably trying to provoke me into like being motivated. He, he, he turned out to be an awesome guy, great mentor, Ray Carney. Um, 
And that's where I kind of learned. And I, that was scripted sales. It was telemarketing. Follow the script. Like, you know, like when you read something like an intro on your podcast, it's scripted. But like the more you do it, it sounds less scripted. Sure. And when it doesn't sound scripted, that's when people buy your bullshit. Right. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I quickly, I was working 20 hours a week in high school, making like four or 500 bucks a week. Didn't save a dime. But I was probably the only 17-year-old kid that had gas in my car. I'm filling up the tank. You know what I mean? Like... What the hell was I spending on booze, cigarettes? I have no idea what the hell where what I did. What the hell was I had no bills? What the hell was I doing? <laughs> um, I forgot the whole point of that story, but that's how I got my start into sales, and that sort of launched me into the direction of becoming an entrepreneur. I'd always known I wanted to work for myself because that's the the heart. I would say the largest obstacle. Sure. So that's how I kind of started to take direction. Yeah, right. I think mine was kind of uh, it was kind of a similar idea. I was always very bad at working for people. Uh, I just, it, it was, it was always very tough for me from a young age. My first job was similar to yours. I was working, I worked at a barbecue restaurant and they just sent me into the back and they had a lunch shift, but they didn't have a dishwasher for lunch. So during the lunch shift, everything just piled up all day. And so, you know, you show up at four o'clock and there's just nothing but piled up dishes. So you never get a chance to get ahead. So you're there. You're like the last person there basically every night, just scrubbing down these dishes, trying to get it all cleaned up. Um, it was a brutal job. I've been a dishwasher too. Yeah. Um, and I then washed dishes, picked up dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and from there went to Hardy's, so probably kind of similar to Roy Rogers. Very similar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I always had a, I had a habit of, uh, not always doing very well with authority in that department. And I remember telling, uh, telling my parents cause they were like, you, you got to figure this out. You know, everybody, everybody has to, everybody, shit. you need to take yeah. orders. Yeah. Exactly. They I, train you to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, they, do. they train you to take orders. Uh, and I said, well, uh, you know, I'm going to work for myself. And then, you know, my stepdad said, he's like, well, even the president has to li- take orders from somebody. And I'm like, well, who's that guy? I want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, from a very young age. But, I mean, I, I come from a, a, a line of uh, self-employed people. My grandmother was. My mother was. Um, cool. And, and kind of for the Strong same. Strong women. Your grandmother self-employed back in, what, the 50s? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And and she, uh, but it was, the, it was, yeah, I don't even know if it was so much that she wanted to do it, but she wasn't going to put up with shit from other people. And that's the same thing with my mom. I don't know if it's a character flaw or not, um, but it worked out for them. They just, uh, they didn't really like eating shit from other people. Two things I'd like to develop on that. (laughs) You can call it a character flaw because if you're an employee, it's a flaw. But if you're the employer, I would say it's probably a pro. Yeah. Right? And at this point, you mentioned your mother and your grandmother. I have to give a shout out to my father, Charlie Maylot, because he showed me that it's possible to be self-employed. He's also self-employed. He buys and sells recycled uh, like PET, plastic cardboard, stuff like that in a very tight-knit industry that he broke into in New Jersey, which is tough to do. Uh, now he sits on the recycling board in the state of New Jersey. And you know he kind of showed me that you know if you don't want to get up and work 9 to 5, you don't have to do that. Lots of people do that, and that's okay for those people if that's what they want to do. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going to work. Sure. You know, but like he showed me like... You know, I like that I sometimes see him wake up at like eight, go get coffee, sit around, like do his morning routine, read the paper. And at like when the traffic clears out, he gets in his car and he goes up to North Jersey or New York or Long Island or whatever, handles his accounts and his business, whatever the hell he does. He buys and sells. He never sees the material. But, you know, he's got logistics in place and shipping. He's got buyers in India and China. And, you know, he worked. 
More recently, he told me, he goes, you know, do what I do, Jay. I don't work on Mondays and Fridays. I just work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was like, what about the weekend? He's like, well, no, of course not. I was like, well, <laughs> that's, silly. Re- that's really fucking nice, Dad, but we're at different points in our life, and I can't do a three-day work week right now. I just had a daughter. I'm struggling to pay the mortgage, but I, you know, I intend to get there, but let's give it some time, you know? Uh, that's a good goal to aspire and to. When you said character flaw earlier, it's all a matter of perception. Oh, absolutely. Too, you know what I mean? <clears throat> All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break here to tell you how you can win an East Coasters recycled rubber doormat or a set of drink coasters. Jason has generously offered to give away any doormat from the East Coasters website other than custom orders, as well as one set of drink coasters. All you have to do to enter is text the word COASTERS to 444-999. You're going to be entered to win one of East Coasters' unique doormats or coaster sets, and you're also going to be signed up for the Future Self Podcast mailing list as well as East Coasters' mailing list. If you're not familiar with East Coasters, you need to check them out. They have an awesome assortment of household products to fit any style. And as always, all of their products are made from 100% recycled rubber. You can check out their entire collection at eastcoasters.org. Again, to enter, just text the word COASTERS, C-O-A-S-T-E-R-S, to 444-999. That's COASTERS to 444-999. All right, let's dive back into the show. So kind of circling back to your business, uh, so you're starting out, you know, you said you had a very supportive family, you had a supportive wife. Did you face any unique challenges in, in that industry trying to get ahead? Many. <laughs> um, like I said, my wife was very supportive. She thought I was crazy and yet stood behind me and helped me develop this business into what it is today, which is still, I, I refer to us as mildly successful, which means I haven't missed a mortgage payment, but, you know, uh, I'm not ready to retire, sure. you know what I mean? Which, that's the game. That's the end game. I want to produce an income-producing business that's eco-conscious, socially responsible for the generations to come. So Beautiful Haven over there has some choices, I don't want to tell her she has to run the business. I don't want to tell her what she, she can pick herself. I want her to be smart and capable. And I just want her to have choices. Dude, you're making me swoon over here. Well, I love keep it. your pants on, buddy. <laughs> uh, uh, so now at this point, you know, you've amassed quite a following over the years. It's got to be exciting to see how pumped some people get about your products. Like I go on your Facebook page and people are posting pictures of your products with their children. And and they're excited. Like they, it's, that's got to pump you up. We call those action shots, you know, which is funny because we sell doormats. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also sell pet placemats. So yoga like, mats. I, yeah, yoga mats. And I love when people put pictures of like their dog passed out on a yoga mat. I have one of my dog Julius named yeah. after a fish song, by the way, and on our fish yoga mat that we make. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> we love the action shots. I use them in my advertisements. When I make like a digital advertisement, I've, I, you know, I ask permission, hey, can I use your photo? Uh, a buddy of mine I work with from Cincinnati, or no, Cleveland, uh, Ohio, he has a picture of his kid cheesing out. He gave his nine-year-old kid one of our fish doormats for Hanukkah, and it's a picture of the kid cheesing out, holding the mat up like this. And I was like, do you mind if I like use that for marketing material? He's like, I would love that. That's awesome, you know? And we have uh, we make some pet products. We cut out dog bones, and my wife personalizes them, which is like torture. When you're like, it's great to sell them, but then she has to like personalize every mat she's painting. And now we're doing like vinyl heat transfers, and we're ramping up and doing things not all by hand anymore. We, there's some like equipment around the house, which is cool because when we started out, we we're cutting everything by hand. Right. Actually, I think I told you in the story in the email those first hundred samples we were making with the coasters. I called the tool and die maker, and I said. 
I didn't know, I didn't have a machine to press anything out. So I said, make me a die with one five inch circle to make a five inch coaster. So I procured enough material to make a hundred coasters. Cause you know, when you're purchasing material from a factory, they don't sell you just a piece. You know what I mean? You have to buy thousands of dollars worth of material. And I said, well, I really want to test the waters before I commit to doing that. So could you just sling me two pieces so I can make a couple of samples? Let's see. Let, we'll go from there. So to produce the first hundred coasters, it was my friend Scott Conroy and I. And we had that one. It's a, a die is like, just to give you an idea, it's, it's a steel it's steel rule die. It's like a very sharp edge, perfectly round circle. That's how it was shaped for my product. Five inches set into a square piece of plywood. And now, to so the steel didn't push through the back of the plywood, we put an additional piece of wood there to like sort of absorb the shock. And I was leaning on, out under my deck on the concrete on a bigger piece of plywood on top of that with a cutting board, and in between that was the rubber. So we can cut, bang out one coaster at a time. I was leaning on the plywood to apply steady pressure, and he was hitting the back of the wood with a rubber mallet. We each had a glass of whiskey. We were <laughs> battling sunset. We didn't have much light left. And he was trying not to break my jaw with the recoil because you hit something with a rubble mat, it bounces up. So I'm looking this way, holding down, and we're knocking out all these coasters. <laughs> and I was just going to make samples and send them to breweries. And <laughs> I, I was coming back from the grocery store, and one of the digital billboards had this advertisement for like an eco shop on Long Beach Island, which is about where we hail from in New Jersey. So it's called Regenerate. So I walked over there. I contacted the lady. They said, come on in. And they, they bought 100 coasters with their logo on them. So I went and found – he had – that dude Scott had a, a friend that was a screen printer. And he printed their logo for me, and I, I overpaid. I don't think I made really much money, if any, at all on the deal. Um, and so I sold my samples. Now I had no samples, and I was sending out sales emails and everything. So you want to talk about an obstacle to overcome. I sent – I was – calling on all the West Coast breweries because I noticed out there there's a lot of different beers I drank and the craft brewing scene was exploding out there and it was sweeping the nation coming east slowly but surely. And it's here now. We got The first year I was back in New Jersey, we had like six breweries and the next year we had like 70. Yeah, we have so like I was, six and five miles of here. Great. Blowing up. It's awesome. I love beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was on to something and I, I emailed Deschutes Brewing in Bend, Oregon and the guy just got back to me. He replied... I think with his credit card number in the email, it was like, yeah, ring me up for uh, like 500 of those. And our prices have come down much since then. Right. In the beginning, I didn't know my, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that's a good brewery too. That's a great brewery. Uh, the first one I fell in love with was the, uh, the organic Amber and then the mirror pond pale ale. Love that brewery. And, you know, I've never been there. Uh, we intend to put our first West Coasters location out in Bend, Oregon, and then Fort Collins, Colorado. Go there. Cause I went there, uh, when I took a cross country trip in law school and we went to Deschutes, uh, in, in Ben, spent a few days there because we got there. We we're only gonna spend a day, and we we're like, this town's adorable. <laughs> so we spent a few more days. Cool. Um, so you know, now I had an order with this guy's credit card number, but I didn't have a, a line to the material. I didn't have a screen printer in place, or not like a steady one that had like agreed to do my work as I bring it into him. Um, I didn't have the tools to produce the equipment. I had a single die. So I mean, when you're when you think of a business, nobody wants to. If you have to make five hundred, you don't want to do one at a time. That just doesn't make sense. It's going to take you. And I, the gumption I had and the the perseverance, I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going. I'll, I'll knock these out one at a time if I have to. But there's got to be a better way. So I took the deposit money that they gave me. I think it was like twelve hundred bucks or something, and I put it towards buying like a die cutting press and some proper tools so I could punch out like eight it's or not ten. Using a rubber mallet, right? Yeah, a pneumatic press where I just push a button and then voila, I have eight coasters. Magic. You know, and then yeah, magic. <laughs> so uh, I, I ran the credit card up to about I want to say like eight or nine thousand bucks, and because that there's no motivation quite like 
oh shit. Just you know, gotta get paid. Yes. <laughs> Six months I had that paid off. Nice. Six months I had that paid Strong. off selling accounts. That's when we made those fish doormats, went on tour and sold a couple of those. And that happened to be right before Christmas. So now I registered the business. I had a kind of a thing going. We didn't know how to build a website. I told my wife to do it and she said, I don't know how to do that. So you'll figure it out. Yeah. So Squarespace was our friend because it's user friendly and easy to make Absolutely. any dummy be able to come up with a web and e-commerce site. Hey, your website looks good. Thank you. Um, Shout out, Caitlin. Shout out. <laughs> um, so, where did I leave off? Uh, you know, we're uh, going oh, so into... Oh, so Christmas. Yes. So we're coming up on Christmas, and now I have this one design on this one doormat. Now, just to divide it in terms of like business development, the breweries are wholesale business, and then they can resell them on retail value to make a couple of bucks and carry our products in their gift shops. The fish doormats were retail. So I made 72 more because I sold 72. That's a, that was the quantity in which the screen printer was willing to print them. Sure. So uh, I started spamming. There's all these like groups on Facebook. And I was like, well, I, I can't afford to pay for advertising because I, I can't take the risk at the time. Like I can't – if I put 100 bucks into an ad and I didn't get – goes in the wind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I started spamming these like these fish Facebook groups. And you know, I kind of started and created – I feel like I'm almost like a little responsible for creating like a monster because soon after it became like a spam zone. But then they've since moderated the groups and it's like – I'll post in there when we get something new or at Christmas time. I'll do like one post, say, hey, here's what we're doing for like Black Friday, Cyber Sa- Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. I said, but don't worry, I'm not going to spam the shit out of you guys anymore. But in the beginning, you know, like some people would get pissed and I didn't care. I'd just block them because it's a group of 15,000 people. You're going to get people that are assholes. Right, absolutely. Right? And like, luckily, there's very few in that community. It's a very cool community. And, you know, I understand too. Like, you're tired of seeing that shit. Hey, buy my Ray Bans and my Oakleys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I sold out of those 72 masks at Christmas, and I was like, well, I'm going to make more. Just through the groups like that. Just through the groups. And then, uh, you know, I got I, I partnered up with a graphic designer in that co- same community that was making t-shirts, and he let me use a few of his designs and, like, made a couple for my doormats, and, like, he gave me the digital files to be able to produce the mats. And uh, that sort of kind of took us to the next level, where now we had, like, eight designs, you know, all revolving around that. Yeah. And then that's when I got into I was like, oh, I'm going to do the Jerry Garcia handprint. I could branch into other bands that I know. And then one thing led to another. Now all of a sudden we're in all these music festivals and I'm making like custom pieces for uh, Delfest and Gray Fox Bluegrass and the Telluride Bluegrass Festival and all these people. And it just started becoming a thing. Yeah. You know? So at a time that there really has never been more competition, like you can literally buy coasters, yoga mats, pet food mats almost anywhere. Uh, but people still choose to buy from you. What do you think it is about your company that gets people excited? Um, I would say that definitely the eco aspect. A lot of the, you know, so they tell you to go with what you know. And I went into that live music scene with the fish concerts and the the deadheads and all that. And those are notoriously a group of socially responsible and eco-conscious people that like to leave little or no footprint behind. Uh, you know, they're big on the leave no trace kind of mentality. And that com- those communities have shown me a tremendous amount of support. And, you know, so they also have, you know, I pick different markets like that. I go with something that has like a cult following. You know what I mean? Like I said earlier, like our company, it's like licorice. A lot, the people that like it, like it a whole lot. And then right. there's a bunch of people that think it's disgusting or they hate it or whatever. And that's fine. Not everybody has to like you. So through those communities is the only way I exist. You know, that's how we got off the ground. And then we found a ton of support in the, you know, I started to leech into that other guy's market and start to steal some of the business. 
for, for, you know, like in the marijuana counterculture and glass industries, which I've never seen such a supportive industry. You go to those trade shows and everything, those people are all relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, and that's what it is. Together, we all flourish. Like, you know, so like you got all these head shops popping up and these dispensaries and they need promotional pieces. And, you know, guess what? Potheads are socially conscious too. Potheads care about the environment, probably more so than a lot of other groups, you know? I'm not trying to be a titan of industry to take over the world and start creating pollution. I'm just trying to feed my family and keep sure. some rubber out of the landfill, you know, yeah. with small guys. Uh, so are you still kind of pounding the pavement, hitting the shows, selling the mats, stuff oh, like that? Oh, hell yeah. Nice. Um, so last year, all right, big shout out to my wife, Caitlin. Last year, she was... Caitlin! Caitlin! <laughs> we, she was very pregnant, and she had to go through, I mean... A shitstorm of, we went to, let's see, on the road to Del Fest, which is our favorite one every year on Memorial Day weekend. Del Macari, Del, yeah. Um, we went to Susquehanna Breakdown, which is, a, there's a bluegrass band from Pennsylvania called Cabinet, and it was their festival. And I think they had also run some other music festivals around the country. This was like a smaller one, and I thought it'd be a good way to get my foot in the door with that crew. And so we went, and it festival i mean the music was great you know i have some nice things to say about the festival too but we got stuck not being able to camp out in the field for some reason and the the vendor booths were under the amphitheater like under the covered area along like the big walkway and then there was like all these metal crossbars and we brought a blow-up mattress for our tent which we thought we were going to be sleeping in and they were like no you can't sleep in the field so we tried to blow the mattress up and it barely fit between this like rectangular concrete jungle box with metal crossbars everywhere because you're under an amphitheater pavilion right and the metal bars were like the pressure from that was leaching the air out of the mattress and she's like seven or eight months pregnant and it's hot as fuck the music's going on until two in the morning we're under the pavilion so she's trying to go to bed the music's on and you know it was just an absolute nightmare. And then we go to Delfest, and she's even more pregnant, and it's hot. And, you know, I'm running around with beers in my hands, dancing to music, coming back, feeling real nice. And she's like, I will kill you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just imagining my wife, who is now nine months pregnant, um, doing any of that. Um, not that she wouldn't do it for me, but she's, yeah. Yeah, I can I can feel the emotion that would be in her in those moments though. Behind every great man's <laughs> an even greater woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because she's here. Yes, right. I am. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's being res- recorded for posterity too. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick moment here to give a shout out to our affiliate partners on the show. Listeners, there are infinite paths to success, but they all start with knowledge. And I'm not just talking about school. The internet has brought us a multitude of free and inexpensive resources right to your fingertips. And one of my favorite resources is Udemy.com. You can learn virtually anything you want when you want. And the best part is Udemy lets you learn it right from the pros themselves. Udemy really has turned the doers into teachers and turned your laptops and mobile devices into classrooms. Now check on the blog for a link to get access to any of Udemy's courses in their catalog for just $15. That's udemy.com. Now listeners, I have been a book lover my entire life. 
I love the way they feel in my hand. I love the smell of the pages, so I will never stop buying books. But over the last few years, I have become a big fan of digital books, and my favorite app for ebooks is Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited brings the world's largest bookshelf right to your fingertips. Forget to grab a book you want for a vacation? Not a problem. Want to just read a quick passage in a book that you don't want to buy the whole book? You can do that too. Kindle Unlimited brings the written world to your fingertips for less than the cost of a paperback per month. As always, you can find links to anything mentioned in the show on the blog and in the show notes. And any purchases that you make through our affiliate links are going to kick a portion back to the show to help us keep the lights on around here. All right, so this brings us to the point in the show we call the Future Self Skinny Minute, where I will be asking you a series of semi-rapid-fire questions to give the listeners the skinny on you. Now, originally I intended for this to be a short segment, but it has uh, quickly developed into one of my favorite parts, so it's never going to take a minute. Uh, But here we are. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm not punctual anyway, so. All right. And I'm definitely not concise. (laughs) (laughs) What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, boy. I don't know. In terms of, you know, I was thinking about that based based on what we were talking about yesterday. And I would have to say that from a book I've read recently, and I don't know why it took me so long to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, a piece of advice in there was, you know, overcoming in business, many people are going to tell you all the reasons why you can't do something. Sure. Or, and many people love to give advice that have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Right? So like, for instance, if like something I'm interested in getting into, once hopefully I grow to be a little bit more successful, I want to get into like not real estate development, but like I feel like real estate's a pretty good investment in terms of like, you know, between the equity and the house, you could always like fix and flip, you could rent it out, Absolutely. use it as a vehicle for a lot of different things. Now, everybody will tell you, oh, you don't want to be an out of state landlord, it's a pain in the ass, people are going to come in and destroy your houses. But all those people, every single one of those people that have ever told me that, not a single one of them owns a bunch of houses and rents them out. They have no experience doing that. So it was like, try not to take, like all these people want to give you advice about shit they have no idea about. Yeah. And so that was something I really took from that book that I thought was an excellent piece of advice. It's an advice about not taking advice from people who don't know how to give advice. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's good shit. (laughs) All right. You can have a beer with any person living or dead. Who is it? Any person living or dead. I know it's a tough one. I'm going to take a minute to think about that. All right. We can circle back to it. Any person living or dead, who would I like to have a beer with? You know, I, I because I've always been a diehard fish fan, I'm almost inclined to say Trey Anastasio, but we all love the fact that he went and got his shit together and he's sober now, so I wouldn't want him falling off the wagon to have a beer with me. Because then there would be... He could have oh, a my whole soda. Fa- yeah, my whole fan base would be upset with me. Like, look what you did. He's a degenerate. You ruined him. <laughs> so, uh, you know... That's a really hard question. Yeah. I mean, you're not the first person to stumble with that one either. I'm going to say, like, <laughs> it's got to be a... <laughs> maybe jerry garcia i mean That's maybe a, a music person you know what i mean um yeah and i feel like uh when when i answer that question if somebody asks me that i always go with someone dead because i'm like there's still a chance for a living oh good call you know i could make it you know i could still make that happen you know what i'm looking very much forward to hopefully having one day sitting down having a beer with that beautiful baby over there screaming yeah, yeah not till she's right let's say 18 because yeah. let's be honest 21 what get the fuck out of here <laughs> Uh, all right, let's say you have 30 seconds to tell someone the most important advice 
on finding success as an entrepreneur, what do you tell them? The company mantra, don't be a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, I would say like, don't be afraid to fail. We touched in on that earlier and that's all it is. Once you realize that failure is not so bad and that you can learn something from it from the experience because all the college, all the school in the world, here we are. We're not, we're not old and wise, you know what I mean? But we've got a little bit of experience under our belts at this point. I, I'm 30, I'll be 35 this year. You say you'll be 37. I don't know if we're talking about that. What do you mean, age? Yeah, I don't know why we're doing talking about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm cre- closer I get to 40, the more I'm like, I don't know that that's all that important of a number. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, Shit, I forgot the question. What was the question? <laughs> Must be the age. 30, right? Or the weed. <laughs> 30 seconds to tell someone the most important advice uh, on finding success as an entrepreneur. We're already past 30 seconds. I told you I'm long-winded. I'm ah, you're good. But uh, what was I getting at? I, ha- I had something there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Advice of it. Never give up. I mean, don't right. be afraid of failure. Because, you know, you realize failure is not all that bad and you can learn something from it. And as long as you don't give up and you try again at something else or to do whatever you were doing better, then it's not a failure. It's a lesson. Yeah. You know what I mean? And once you've, uh, oftentimes when people are afraid of something, when it actually happens, it's not nearly as bad as they had built it up to be in their mind. Oh, it's you know anxiety. I mean? Failure. I failed so many times. I've been turned down by so many girls. I've been, to, I've been turned down for jobs I'm definitely qualified for. When I found out she was pregnant last year, I had this company and we were on our way up and I applied to be a, uh, a stewardess, uh, uh, yeah, stewardess, a flight attendant for Frontier Airlines, which who was based in Denver and I had big plans. I was like, I'll get in in Newark and then I'm, or, or uh, Trenton, which is who I took to fly down here actually. I'll get in in Trenton, I'll, I'll pay my dues and then I could like transfer back out to Denver because I loved Colorado so much. Through the phone interview, I was automatically disqualified in 2016 because I have one tattoo that's not visible How about on my that? chest. It's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, <laughs> you know? Ruffian. Yeah. Um, stay at it. Yeah, stay at it. Just, you know, don't be afraid of failure. Just fail and learn something from it. All right, Jason, I really like hard-hitting quotes. I kind of keep them all about my life. Uh, I keep them, and I use them constantly to keep me on task because I'm a bit of a slacker, um, so I kind of need that constant motivation from every angle. Uh, do you have any you know, favorite quotes that resonate with you? I do. I thought about this from yesterday's conversation. <laughs> two of them I'm going to drop on you, right? First one from my grandfather, who's my personal hero. We're two totally different people. You know, he's He's the American dream. He was a police officer who worked like seven extra jobs. And, you know, he built the long, slow, hard way. He's 89. He turned 89 on January 8th. Um, You know, and he's done very well for himself over the years. And it, it was by penny pinching. And his whole entire like motto on life was he, he's a kill him with kindness guy. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Right. Because which leads me to another book quote from uh, Tales from Margaritaville, maybe from a Jimmy Buffett, but big, big parrot head right over on. here. I've um, seen him a few times. Me too. Um, <laughs> and in one of his books, his tour manager, or maybe his publicist, somebody told him, because he had like, obviously he has many drunk, obnoxious fans. No. I'm one of them sometimes. <laughs> in fact, last time I saw him in Denver, my friend Jeff Eaton and I were arm in arm crying. My friend, our friend Katie Summer was sitting there laughing at us like, oh my God, you guys are so, we drank about a case of land shark beforehand. But in that book, he said, Jimmy, don't forget, some drunk guy in like Florida or Nashville down there, you know. And he said, Jimmy, it's just as nice to be, it's just as easy to be nice as it is to be an asshole. You know, how you react to something is entirely up to you. If you're oh. angry, that's your, that comes from within. So that's a big one. And then last night I was falling asleep to Catch Me If You Can, one of my favorite flicks. Yeah. 
And, you know, that, that's about a guy that could really think on his feet, right? And when he's pretending to be a doctor and a lawyer with that real Southern family in New Orleans. Yeah, and, like, I can barely pretend to be a lawyer myself. <laughs> and you're trained to do yeah, so. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how that guy did that. Well, that's how successful people come to be. I was never good at anything. I just fucking faked it. Yeah. I'm, I'm faking it to make it, baby. There you go. And they ask him to say grace. And on the spot, he's like, no, I'm comfortable with it because he just <laughs> told him he was a Lutheran. So here goes my quote for you. Well, maybe we'll end on this note. Two mice fell in a bucket of cream. <laughs> one of them quickly gave up and died. The other one struggled so hard, he turned that cream into butter and walked right out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And the, he, he stole the quote from his father, who in the movie was Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah. This watch. I was falling asleep last <laughs> night, and I was like, I'm going to pepper that one in That's there. That's killer. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you go after this. Um, I know that you're going to have a good answer here, too. Music is one of my true passions in life, and I know that goes for you, too. Um, so do you have one album that you like to turn on when you're under the gun and you absolutely need to get shit done? When I need to get shit done? <sighs> well, for us in the Fish community, it's not so much albums as it is live shows because each one's always different. So, And I actually don't listen to much of that outside the concerts because it's something I really like to see live and I don't want it to, you know, anything you do too much becomes old, you know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. So... We'll just go with probably like my favorite album of all time that I can listen to at any time. Once it didn't leave my CD player in my car for six months or more is Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones. Right on. It's a good one. It's got a little bit of everything. It does. God, I love the fucking Stones. I love the Stones too, and I'd never seen them live. I felt like I was kind of like, ah, well, you know, they're probably, um, not to hate on them, but I mean, they've been around for a few minutes. Um, But one of my buddies bought me tickets to see them in Raleigh last year. Dude, they blew the place up nice i saw him a couple years one back of the in New best Jersey. shows i've ever seen i couldn't believe it jagger oh. must have run like two miles that show just back and forth and up and down they crushed it yeah i was so impressed it's probably an adderall <laughs> <laughs> yeah we make a can't you hear me knocking doormat we take like songs that's that's part of our thing yeah. we take songs that could be applied to like something to a beverage coaster or a doormat so the rolling stones we got too it's can't you hear me knocking doormat and uh if you're familiar with the tune sweet virginia from exile on main street is you got to scrape that shit right off your shoes. Dude, great metaphor. That's killer. Yeah. Whose idea was that? Uh, was that mine? Take it. She's not claiming it. <laughs> uh, you know, it might. We get some. Like I think. Uh, Can't you hear me knocking? Was my idea because that's one of the greatest guitar intros ever on any rock song. Yeah. Period. Great song. And then when I did that, that that quickly became a very popular product for us, which we're very much seeking licensing from the Rolling Stones. And I think it's Bravado. They're huge global company. They probably had a whole fucking floor for a, full of lawyers. They're going to shut me down one day. But now that you've been on the podcast, they're totally going to hear about it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> you guys uh, are broadcasting to billions, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason, I know how busy you are. I can't tell you much. I appreciate you taking the time out to be here, man. Um, before I let you go, where can the listeners find you? Web, social media? Uh, okay, so our website is www.eastcoasters.org. And on social media, we are slash NJ for New Jersey East Coasters all across the board. So Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Right on. All right, man. I really appreciate being here, dude. It was was great to be here. Great way to catch up, Rob. All right. Cheers, man. Good seeing you. Hey, friends. That is our show for the week. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I did recording it. I had a blast catching up with Jason, and it was a real privilege to have him in the studio. I am stoked to see his business taking off the way it is, and I'm very excited that he's decided to relocate the business to North Carolina. Before I let you go, 
If you liked what you heard today, I would be thrilled if you hopped on over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, SoundCloud, wherever you happen to be listening, and hit that subscribe button. Leave us an honest review of the show. That is how we keep getting the word out there. And because I know that time is your most valuable asset, before I go, I want to say a sincere thank you for spending some of it with me today. Now, until next week, get out there and get after it. You've been listening to the Future Self Podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, get out there and give your future self something to cheer about.